hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. We are back, back from spring break, all tanned and rested. Well, maybe not so tanned. I was lucky enough to spend some quality time with my daughter. We decided to go to Clearwater Beach, Florida for a few days. And to tell you, the weather was fantastic. If you haven't been, I'd recommend it. I hadn't been there in a really long time. And it's a lot different than I remember it being. A lot nicer. And I love conch fritters. Along with all the families spring breaking it, as you can imagine, there were quite a few retirees enjoying the good life at the beach. It seems that their retirement plans are working out pretty well for them, which got me to thinking about all the things that could go wrong along the way. So today, I want to spend part of our time talking about the things that could go wrong, the things, the slip-ups that could undermine your retirement plan. But first, let's take a quick look at the markets. From a big picture perspective, not much has really changed over the last week or two. The economy is looking like it actually might be better than expected. Unemployment's low, wages are rising, consumer confidence seems to be in good shape. Just look at the last retail sales report. People are out there spending. As a matter of fact, the Atlanta Fed is now forecasting the economy to grow at 2.8% for the first quarter. And just about a month ago, they were projecting growth to be less than 1%. So a pretty big improvement. But the market and the economy are different animals. For those of you who pay attention to the technicals, well, you might be getting a little concerned now. And I think the odds of a pullback have risen. It seems to me that fewer and fewer stocks are participating in the current rally. And I say that because the number of stocks trading above their 50-day moving average has declined over the last month. And the number of stocks hitting new highs, well, if they're falling. And the stocks hitting new lows, that number is rising. Throw on top of that, investor sentiment seems to be overly optimistic at this point. So long-term, the fundamentals, which is what I focus on, the fundamentals are good and suggest that we continue to march higher, but the technical suggests the potential for some near-term weakness. And this might be a good time to update your wish list. I wouldn't get aggressive with my cash right now. Thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today. Waking up on Monday morning and turning on the financial news shows, the big story was oil. And to catch up, a few months ago, the U.S. put in economic sanctions against Iran. And as part of this plan, we wanted our allies to stop buying Iranian oil also. But we couldn't just demand that they stop buying immediately. So we're going to give them time to find alternatives. Those six-month waivers are now starting to roll off. The implication being there's going to be less oil coming to market, although the Saudis do say that they will increase production. We'll see. My point here is that oil has been on the rise. Back in December, you could have bought a barrel of oil for $45. Probably wasn't the best Christmas present you ever gave, but whatever. Now, 
that same barrel of oil is trading hands at $65 a barrel. What's that? A uh, increase of about 40%. I don't have my calculator handy, but a 40% increase in the commodity price. But if you look at the energy stocks, they simply haven't kept up in price. I believe the analysts are too pessimistic here. According to IBES, that's Thomson Reuters, not only are earnings per share forecasted to fall every quarter this year to the tune of about 10%, but revenues are also being forecasted to fall every quarter in 2019. I would think about leaning into this, like Leonardo DiCaprio on the bow of the Titanic. Okay, well, maybe that's not the best analogy, but nonetheless, I think that if global growth picks up later this year and you see the U.S. dollar remain pretty stable, oil prices, oil is priced in dollars, the integrated oil companies could have some upside. Names like Chevron, CVX, ExxonMobil, XOM, BP, well, BP, all sporting dividends close to 4%. BP is actually over 5%. They're all reporting earnings here in the next few days, so keep your eye out. I'd be looking at the bombed out healthcare names too. Maybe we'll talk about them next week. Right now, we're in the midst of an earnings parade, and everyone loves a parade, or as my daughter used to say when she was little, a party aid. One of the companies that have reported, and we've talked about them in the past, is Procter & Gamble, symbol PG. And we haven't said much about them in a while. And they've been on fire. They reported that they sold more stuff and made more money than what people were expecting, despite despite a strong dollar. Most of their sales come from overseas, no doubt. They've done a wonderful job turning that company around. They've restructured. They got rid of a lot of brands and they've executed. They've even raised their growth forecast, increased their dividend for the 63rd consecutive year. And I think they've paid that dividend for well over 120 years or so. So why did the stock drop? Yes, it dropped. If you ask me, it's about value. The stock, in my opinion, is fully valued. If they earn about four and a half dollars this year, as some expect, well, that means it's trading at about 23 times earnings. Now, you should pay up for a predictable company that has a great balance sheet like Procter & Gamble. You pay for a quality business. But PG is being valued above their average over the last 15 years. If you own it, own it but I wouldn't add to it on all the good news coming out of PG. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about planning slip slip ups. This is Eric Whiteman. This is Common Sense Investing. And this is The Break. You've worked hard. You've saved and invested. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off. Now's the time to start planning for that future. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. No two people have the same goals and values. We can help you craft a framework for making a lifetime of smart financial decisions that's right for you. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Call us at 301-770-5234. 
Thank you and welcome back to this edition of Common Sense Investing. Let's jump right back into this. Let's talk about what planning slip-ups could hurt you down the line. The markets have been doing okay. As I said at the annual outlook, I suspect we hit 3,000 on the S&P by the end of the year, but who knows? You always want to make sure that you're protecting yourself while growing your portfolio. If you're worried and maybe you want a second opinion on your plan or your portfolio, we'd be happy to have a conversation to see if we might be able to help you. The number is 301-770-5234. Now, as far as planning is concerned, the first thing you can do for yourself and it's probably the biggest thing, is to have a plan. This is something I talk about all the time. And let's be clear here. Participating in your company's 401k or opening an IRA is not a plan. It's a start, but it's not a plan. Most people never really map out how much money they'll need in retirement or develop a real asset allocation. And I'll tell you, the smart savers figure out what they'll need. They'll define their savings goals and they develop a plan to reach that goal. Having a plan is a must, in my opinion, and it doesn't matter your age. Number two on the slip ups is having too little in stocks. If you're following the old rule of thumb, that's 100 minus your age, that's the percentage of allocation to stocks. Or if it's just fear of losing money, many people end up underinvested in equities. We're living longer. We're exercising, trying to eat healthy. We're taking our meds. It's not uncommon to spend a third of your life in retirement. And I don't think the rule of thumb, the old rule of thumb, works as well as it used to. I think having a solid plan helps you here too. And let me make number three, underestimating your life expectancy. Assuming a life expectancy of 95 as part of a financial plan is not only realistic, but increasingly common. You never want the success of your plan dependent on you dying too young. Number four, being realistic. You won't be doing yourself any favors by overestimating your potential returns or even underestimating your spending in the retirement years. So be realistic, plan conservatively, and adjust your plan as you go. And I see this all the time where someone is getting ready to retire and they project that their spending is going to be a straight line. Right? They budget that we're going to spend 100000 a year in retirement or whatever that number is. We're going to spend that in retirement every single year. But from my experience, it doesn't work like that. You have the go-go years when you're doing all the things that you wanted to do. You just retired. Now you're going to go out and do all this stuff. You're going to travel. You pick up hobbies. And as time goes on, we slow down the slow-go years, as we call them. And then later on, it becomes the no-go years. The point here is that retirement spending isn't a straight line. So don't plan like it is. And that's why updating your plan every year is important. So you make those adjustments as you go. Number five on the slip-up list is, and, and this is a hard one, being too generous. It's hard to say no 
but you don't want to re- uh, you don't want to blow your retirement funds on being too generous with your adult children. I suggest you think long and hard about how much you can reasonably or realistically afford to contribute towards a down payment on a house or having a huge wedding or even paying for the reoccurring expenses like cell phones or car insurance. And let me give you a couple more real quick because we're running out of time here today. Number six, health insurance. Supplemental health insurance policies like Medigap or long-term care, well, they can be a significant expense. But like any other insurance, it's important to budget adequate coverage to insure against an even greater, costlier risk down the road. Not buying insurance doesn't make the risk go away. And the last one, and there are more, I just can't do them all on one show, but the last one for today is making sure you follow the tax rules. And this is where you'll need an account. And I'm not a tax advisor. Tax mistakes can eat up a big chunk of your savings. If you're switching jobs and you have a 401k, think about rolling that into an IRA and not taking the lump sum. If you're younger than 59 and a half and you take that lump sum, well, you could be looking at paying income tax on that amount and a 10% penalty. Can you say, ouch? And if you're 70, well, then you need to start thinking about RMDs or the required minimum distributions. In the year that you turn 70 and a half, you're required to begin taking distributions from your retirement accounts. And if you don't, the penalties are 50% of the amount that you were supposed to take but didn't. And then you have to pay income taxes on that too. That's a real big ouch. Okay. We've run out of time for today. If you have questions for the show, email us. Email us at podcast, which is plural, podcast at XMLFG. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.